Hello and welcome back to JLXP. It has been a a little bit since I turned on the camera for, for this podcast. The last time I did an episode was the world's semifinal between Gen G and DRX. I feel like based on the pure volume of tweets that I got for a finals episode, I feel like I, I need to explain myself for why I never ended up doing one. I'd say for the the quarterfinal and the semifinal episodes, those were made possible in part because I wasn't working those stages of the event, and then also because I didn't have large amounts of travel the day immediately after. So quite honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do the finals episode. We had an incredibly long day. This was back, what, three months ago when the world finals happened. It was an amazing story. I think a beautiful conclusion to the year of League of Legends, and by the time I would have been able to sink the time in to do the prep, it felt like it was fairly far gone. So apologies for the people that were waiting for that episode. But what I will say is we're here now to talk about the 2023 LCS split. Better better that we have an episode now than no episode at all. Let's, let's just go with that. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, everyone, for tuning back in. And I'm going to just come out come right out with it these are these are my power rankings this is this is lcs 2023 uh tiered in this way and in order in this way my 10 thoughts article had them in order as well and throughout this episode i feel like i am going to do them one through ten in a similar vein to how i was doing my 10 thoughts podcasts before this is going to touch loosely on the 10 Thoughts article I wrote that released Monday morning. This is currently Monday night at 8.16. I'm going to get this up as soon as possible. And then, by the way, if you didn't know, LCS is starting on Thursday. So an actual late start on the calendar compared to last year where there was lock-in tournament where there were a ton of visa issues and half the rosters were academy teams. And now... We are, of the four major regions, the last to start. But the good news is, is as far as I've heard, there are far fewer players missing because of visa complications. And I think that's part of why it is starting so late. I'm not necessarily going to open up the can of worms about schedule justifications for time slots or days or talent assignments because that is so much change on top of what is also a largely changed LCS landscape in terms of teams. I mean, even look at this first picture I have of EG, who I consider the most dominant team of 2022 in North America, and two of these players are different. Danny stepped down towards the end of last split in the playoffs. That's FBI now, and that is not impact. That is someday. One of the two greatest top laners of all time. Really quickly, some big picture things about the LCS before I get into the power rankings is the concept of continuity. And I actually don't know confidently how important continuity is in League of Legends. My gut instinct, it is actually not that important, but it's something that has been on my mind based off of 
I mean, there's so many examples throughout the history of League of Legends of players getting thrown on rosters last minute or completely dysfunctional teams that find a way to surpass their dysfunction and still win through individual skill that makes me value the idea of this amazing teamwork and connections built over years uh, less and more about kind of finding that secret sauce right away. The the closest example here would obviously be Cloud9 in Summer Split, where they roll swaps Ven. He plays his first split as support, his first split with Berserker. <clears throat> Fudge roll swaps back top. Jensen joins the team after not being on that team for three years. Yes, he has synergy with Blabber, but he's then playing with three other completely unique players, and they just steamroll people in the playoffs because the patch fits and everything ended up being just right for them. So in this split, 2023 spring, 23 of the 50 starting spots remain the same as they did from last split, which means 27 new starters, not actually new players. They can be starters that move to other teams. Like for instance, Impact and Someday going to FlyQuest and EG respectively will still count as both being new starting spots. But it basically means that over half of the starting spots on specific teams are different going into next year. And CLG is the only team to retain all five players. And they ended last split pretty well. So... We'll get into what I think about that as I get to them in the power rankings. And I think overall, the beginning of the split is also going to be incredibly tumultuous because we are on the new season patch. Different teams have vastly different levels of practice with each other, depending on how late some of the players got into the country and when they started practice. And then there's always going to be the post-preseason patch that will end up hitting pro play regions around like week three, which is already like it, it, it always ends up being a very big shift. So a lot of things to just keep in mind as I'm going through what will hopefully be a quick power rankings video, as I say, six minutes, 25 seconds into the video. But let's get into some of these some of these power rankings. So number one on my power ranking, my personal power ranking is going to be EG and I have them partially as the best team of 2022. And I consider that because they won one of the two splits. They had a pretty good showing at MSI. I know they lost every single game to G2 there, but I thought they beat every team they should have. They advanced to the bracket stage, which is never a guarantee at MSI. And then even though they got swept in the semifinals, I thought they looked competitive. Worlds was a little bit better for them. And the fact that they actually beat a European team in a best of five group stage was a disaster for pretty much every <laughs> European team or sorry, every North American team. <clears throat> and within that, at least they were able to get a single game out of G2. But when I consider all the things from the whole of 2022, they had the late surge in spring, which is similar to C9's late surge in summer, but then they were overwhelmingly dominant in summer before Danny stepped down and I think threw a wrench into their ability to repeat. And the biggest question that I have that I didn't write about was whether or not someday 
for Impact and FBI for Danny should be considered an upgrade, a side grade, or a downgrade. And this is kind of where not having public salaries makes it harder to make this distinction. Because I don't know, with Impact being a free agent, if there was a bidding war between EG, FlyQuest, and who knows who else, or if the bidding war was for someday, right? Like who, who demanded more? You would think for continuity reasons that if EG had their choice, let's say money was no object, they would just keep impact on the team. But there's just so much we don't know because maybe personalities were grinding in a strange way and they thought just getting the second greatest NA top laner of all time and someday for the first greatest NA top laner of all time and impact would be enough for the fresh start. Or maybe there's some level of continuity they're trying to achieve by bringing in FBI and someday who finished first, second, second in their last three LCS splits together. So that would be, that, that's something I don't actually know the answer to is whether or not this someday switch was 100% by choice or if impact was kind of taken away. I want to, I would love to know that, but that's going to be something that we're going to have to see manifest once they start playing. But overall, looking at the names on this roster, looking at JoJo going into his second year, inspired still being super young, super good, knowing how solid someday is, knowing how solid FBI is, honestly. I think he's one of the most ideal replacements for Danny that you can think of in terms of being rock solid in the laning phase, being very methodical about team fighting. Like if they wanted to play the same let's just feed a ton of gold into the AD carry play that they did with Danny. I think they could be wildly successful with FBI in a similar role. So I still have them based on the structure of the team looking pretty similar to what was working before as number one. The coaching thing for them is is, is a little bit worrying. Peter Dunn, no longer with the team. Um, the name is eluding me right now. Uh, one of their assistant coaches went back to Korea as well. So there's going to be a bit of an adjustment there, but I still have pretty high confidence that this team, if they're not first, is going to be extremely good. And I should say, these power rankings are trying to predict what their spring split record ends at. So at least there's a checkpoint for right-wrong rather than it all riding on playoffs. Like Ultimately, teams do want to just win the split, they could care less if they're first in the regular season. But this is kind of always how the LCS has ended up doing their power ranking. So I'm continuing the tradition here. Okay, Cloud9. I think I probably have them higher than a lot of people. And I kind of have to ask why. Like, they are actually the defending champions of the LCS. And they only switched out one player. They have Diplex instead of Jensen. Now, Jensen was definitely an extremely good player. But Cloud9 has changed players here and there so many times and it has basically always ended up working out for them berserker is so damn good blabber is so damn good fudge does still manage to consistently improve zven going into his second split as a support seems like he will be able to get better also it looks at least early on like we are hard stuck in a new support meta 
where you're going to have crap like Ash and Heimerdinger and all these ranged supports, which is great for, for, for Sven because the super experienced supports, as I mentioned many times last year, were stuck in a tank meta for like half a decade. So he gets to restart his training arc a little bit at the same time as these other experienced supports. And I think that will work to C9's overall net advantage because he's not catching up into playing Nautilus and Leona and Thresh the same way that all the experienced supports have been doing so. And he can be playing Ash. And actually, he has way more Ash games than any other support in the league. So in that way, the early meta looks like it's going to be pretty strong for C9, assuming Diplex can fit in well and they don't have to have any any large growing pains with him. So I have Cloud9 in second. Moving on, TL. Man, that was a rough, that was a rough year for TL in 2022. They spent more money than any LCS team has ever spent, and they didn't win a split, and they didn't go to Worlds. So that was also, for uh, for GM Dodo, the first time like he himself did not go to Worlds since 2017. He was there with the Immortal squad that had Cody Sun and Flame and Pobelter, who was one game from getting out of groups. And then he was literally one game from getting out of groups every other year that he went to Worlds. Um, technically, that curse has been broken. The streak has been stopped. But that's because they they didn't manage to make it. But it was clear that they needed a new strategy. I don't think they could have justified going all in on international talent completely again. Uh, the Harry and Yawn promotions from Academy, I think, were very necessary. Also, probably past due, these guys were very good in 2021, and TL Academy just absolutely dominated that part of the region the whole year. You look at some of the stats for Yon and Harry, and they are tops, tops. Like, Yon, I think, was 30-plus kills ahead of the next closest player in Academy, Harry led all mids in kills in KDA, I believe in CS difference as well, <clears throat> carried a huge number of games. Like these two were, were so, so good. And it's a little bit of a tangent here. This is a full Korean speaking roster. So Piosik, former world champion, jungler of DRX, Summit, former MVP of the LCS on Cloud9 a year ago. Core JJ, former two-time MVP of the LCS, and then Harry and on, who are two rookies, but have spent two full years on Team Liquid already and are very familiar with Core JJ. Yon has played with him a bunch. Harry talks with him frequently. Uh, Core is a very good mentor for both of these guys the whole time they're on the Academy team. Um, so it's it's a weird team to think about because I think in some ways they are very hard to identify with as an LCS team because they are five Korean speakers. There's a good chance they're going to be playing in Korean. They will likely do some English content. Uh, they have done some English content already to make themselves more relatable. They have promoted two players that were brought over to Team Liquid as they're entering in North America, like Harry and Jan. Jan was a scouting ground signing. Harry was from the OPL. Like, that is, that is not something that that many teams do 
and do successfully. I, I actually think this is going to be an extremely good team. Uh, I think Harry and Yawn should be extremely hyped, but it's just going to be a confused. I'm really curious to see what the community reaction is because I'm not even entirely sure how I feel about it. Um, but in terms of the actual gameplay, I think like literally just having someone on your team is good for like 10 wins. That's how good he was a year ago on C9. If the other team does not have a top tier top laner, Summit will just run over the game. And I think there's a good chance they're going to work extremely hard. They have Marin as their head coach, who if it looked like Summit tilted or didn't fit with C9's strategy, um, I think the level of respect that world champion, former world champion top laner Marin will be able to have over Summit is really, really crucial. Um, they also have Rainover. Like, they have a very powerful uh, Korean coaching staff. Um, so three might actually be low with the way that I feel about their gameplay, but there's just some unknowns with, like, it being another import LCS team because it does feel like there's a certain level of, I guess, like, ability to just detach from caring about the result if you're in a league that isn't as prestigious to you, which is a definite danger for Summit. I think that possibly happened when he was on Cloud9. It's a danger for Piosic. He just won a world championship and is now going to Team Liquid, maybe for the, quote, lifestyle, right? So a lot of questions about how well this team is going to work in North America. But from a talent perspective, I think they're extremely, extremely high. And we're going to move on. FlyQuest. Another team, actually that is is quite uh quite korean so impact vikla prince all at one point lck imports ayla who won't be here to start the split another player from team liquid academy very good very hyped on him and spika over from tsm and there's an interesting thing here where like all things considered flyquest was decent in 2022, especially compared to the expectations. A lot of people had them like, ah, like, are they even going to make the playoffs? Looking at their roster on paper. <clears throat> and then they go 9-9 in spring, 10-8 in summer. And you can say like, hey, that's a decent team. But this is also another question I've had about the LCS for the last couple of years is like, what does it really matter to be average? Like, if you're not shooting to win the LCS and make noise. Like what is your what is your business purpose? So the 9 and 9 10 and 8 like yes, you did overperform expectations, but did you gain a ton of fans? Are you developing a massive brand for yourself based on your style of play? Like what is happening? Um and it's definitely clear here in 2023 that FlyQuest has completely thrown out the way they were in 2022, even if they had an above 500 record. They have zero returning players from that roster. They have a new head of esports, right? Papa Smithy, no longer with 100 Thieves, signed by FlyQuest, promotion for him, president and chief gaming officer of FlyQuest, and he decided to completely reshape this roster. I don't know, man. I don't know how this is going to work. Like, it's another one of those, yes, they have impact that can maybe help Vikla and Prince adjust 
to playing in the LCS. Ayla will be first time in the LCS, much like Harry and Jan. I do think he will do well, but it is a roster that might have a lot of trouble communicating. Prince was epically hyped in the LCK. He, He might be better than Berserker. Like, he might be so good. But we just don't know enough, to me, about how this team is going to gel together that I couldn't put them ahead of the team that dominated the LCS last year, the team that won the summer split, or the team that I feel like is just doing, like, in terms of winning, the let's import the most powerful players. Like, this is an ecosystem that I think has a higher chance of succeeding. The Summit, Piosik, Harry, Jan, J with Korean-speaking general manager Dodo, Korean-speaking head, host, head coach Marin, Korean-speaking assistant coach Rainover. Then what FlyQuest has put together, where it's a big melting pot of different personalities that they're hoping works out. But listen, FlyQuest absolutely looking to win the LCS. That's what this roster signifies. They have picked up giant name jungler, free agent and speaker, possibly, we don't know, but possibly the most desired top lane free agent and impact Ayla probably had a bunch of teams that wanted him when his Team Liquid contract expired. And Prince is a huge grab to bring to the LCS from the LCK because that guy could definitely still be playing at a high level in the LCK. Okay, 100 Thieves. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to put Bjergsen double at fifth, let me tell you. But I think it's also important to ask, like, what is the goal? of an LCS team because I wrote that 2022 hundred thieves was like weirdly stuck. Cause if you, if you just look objectively, like, Hey, are we winning more games than other teams? Like how good are we overall? Hundred thieves, second place in spring, second place in summer, a year and a half ago, first place. I think they had the longest winning streak in both spring and summer split. Like, they were a really good team. But it goes to show you the importance of being able to win a split. Because I think emotionally, getting swept 3-0 in both finals for the upper management of 100 Thieves was unacceptable. And that's why, even though from a pure win percentage standpoint, they were maybe the best. I, I would have to check the math versus EG, but I know EG went like nine and nine in spring and C9 was also like 10 and eight in summer. Hundred these might've had the highest winning percentage of all LCS teams in 2022, but they're like, no, we have to blow it up. We're not we're not running back FBI who he someday Abadaga like this is just gone. Let's do something different. So uh, they don't resign Papa Smithy. They promote Jungle Juice to their GM, and Doublelift wants to come back to the LCS. So they bring him in. They pair him up with Bjergsen. They do their own version of what EG did last year, promoting two players from their academy system, Tenacity and Busio. Also what Team Liquid is doing. Very popular, very popular roster building strategy this year to bring in 
two young players, surround them with veterans, and let that mix work. Because it worked very well for EG. It works very well even for teams like T1, where Faker has found a niche with a bunch of young players. I think the mix of old and young is completely here to stay in the LCS. A team of all young kids or a team of all... I don't want to call them old men because they're like 25, but more experienced players. Uh, I don't think it works. I don't think you stack five 25-year-olds. I don't think you stack five 18-year-olds. I think you should actually have the mix. I think it's the best. So that's what 100 Thieves is trying to do here. But this does remind me a lot of 2020 summer TSM, which is the last time Bjergsen and Double have played together. And let me tell you, especially in scrims at the start of that split, they were absolutely awful. Like, that team was so bad. But then they won the split. So, I think that could happen here. The The experience when they hit high-pressure situations, because they have so many cumulative titles between them with Doublelift and Bjergsen, is very valuable. They just have to be able to get there. And they need to not break on the way. So my biggest, 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 biggest red flag on this team is tenacity. Nothing against him. But I think it could be very difficult. And I'm not even talking about gameplay. When you spend basically two years being like the darling of your team of your organization. Like there wasn't a person on 100 Thieves that wasn't hyped about Tenacity and didn't someday see him as the starter of their LCS team and a future star. And everyone's been telling him, damn, like you were so good. He like crushes solo queue when he goes over to Korea. He crushes LCS solo queue when he wants to climb. He gets so many solo kills in Academy, but he is playing against a lower tier of competition than he is going to face. And also, he is on the same team as Doublelift and Bjergsen. So if something isn't going well for the team, who do you think people are going to blame? And Tenacity has spent two years just getting nothing but positive praise and feedback and being able to win. If they're not winning and fingers are getting pointed at him externally by fans and internally by Doublelift or Bjergsen, it's just really hard to get through. So if they can overcome that, if they can find a way to gel and give Tenacity and Busio a time to adjust to the adversity, because Doublelift and Bjergsen, I don't expect them to be playing amazing at the start of the split, especially Doublelift. I expect him, if he sticks with it, to be amazing by the end of the split, but I do not think he's going to be amazing when he starts. Um... So that's why I wrote, don't be surprised if this team starts four and five, and don't be surprised if they win the spring split. Huge variance with this team. Huge variance. But, I mean, dude, Double and Bjergsen are back in the LCS. That's really exciting. So they're going to be must-see, must-see TV for sure. Dig and Toss, number six. Uh, Yeah, definitely something new from this team. Like, they spent years being budget rosters that everyone put like ninth or 10th and then they could be like yeah baby we did it we finished sixth woo uh ultimately that's kind of useless so 
Big reinvestment from them this year. Santorin Jensen repairing them up from their time on TL together. Spawn and Ignar. I have heard that Ignar might not be there for week one. I have heard Armut just got in, so they're going to be coming in with lackluster practice. Uh, and like expectations have definitely changed for Santorin. I mean, he was on that disaster year for Team Liquid, which from an objective perspective, like they were okay. Second place spring, fourth place summer, pretty good regular season. But with how high those expectations was, there was just no winning. For this team, I don't think many people are putting them above sixth based on the power of Hunter Thieves, FlyQuest, Team Liquid, C9, EG. But they got really good players. So it's hard to imagine Armut, Santorin, Jensen being on a bottom half team. But that's kind of the reality we're in right now. So... Very curious to see how Dignitas stepping it up works out for them. Number seven, CLG. They're running the back, man. But this is this was the weirdest team for me to put in these rankings. Because it really does make you question the value of continuity. Like, the playoffs in summer split, they were good. They lost both of their series 2-3, and they were, like, it really felt like they should have beat TL in that loser's bracket game. And they were really close to beating C9, the summer split champions, in the first round of the playoffs. And they're just bringing everybody back. And I'm putting them seventh. So, like, by that logic, this is wrong. But by the other logic of okay, I, I do feel like this team like overperformed their expectations last split. Do I think they can continue? Like, Infinite growth is not real. There are times where you hit plateaus or you have relapses. And there's also times where the competition around you just gets stronger. And it's weird. Like, I heard this was a crazy offseason in LCS and I heard that a lot of the salaries fell but I look at these rosters and they look damn good. So it was just hard for me to put CLG above any of these names on these rosters. But this will totally be the continuity test. Looking forward to it. All right. Don't have too much to say about 8, 9, 10. To me, these are always the most difficult things of these power rankings because before the season, I don't want to be too negative, especially because, I mean, maybe it's funny uh, if there's egg on my face in like week three when one of these teams starts like 4-0 and I've said some really mean shit about them. So like I'm not, I'm just not going to say the super mean stuff about them because there is a level of hope before every split. Golden Guardians, I think, has gone actually fairly similar to what FlyQuest and what Team Liquid has done. They have a majority Korean team. River, Gori, Huhi, three Korean speakers. Huhi, Stixe have old synergy. Licorice, is also a longtime member of Golden Guardians at this point as well. I was like, you know what? They actually have Stixe, Huhi, and Licorice as former LCS champions on this team. River, a former PCS champion. Like, damn, there there is some potential here if these guys can still hit these levels. Licorice has not seemed like the same player as when he was winning splits with C9. <clears throat> Huhi did fall off 
towards the end of the summer split on 100 Thieves. So a lot of these guys are going to be looking for redemption and they're up against some pretty stiff competition. Immortals, who I have in ninth, is just a team that has a lot of vengeance on their mind. Tactical from TL to TSM to Immortals really needs to prove himself. Ablaze Olive did not resign with Golden Guardians. Kenvi, their jungler, was incredibly hyped from Academy, but had a terrible summer split. I think Kenvi and Power of Evil were a terrible match for each other. Kenvi wants to invade, he wants to take the majority of a farm, and he needs a very sacrificial mid laner. I do think Ablaze Olive is a better stylistic fit. What I don't think is a great stylistic fit is Revenge with Tactical. I think Revenge really does want to try and win lane. I think it's something that he has done intermittently, but not at a level of a dominant LCS team's top laner, how he needs to play. It's not summit level. It's not, I mean, that's pretty much only the, the only carry top that has found success. It's not Alfari level. Um, and Tactical, for me, is also a player who you really do need to play around or he needs to fix that weakness and needs to be able to play weak side because currently I don't see those two players coexisting extremely well with their want of sharing resources. And Fleshy, I just don't know enough about. So it's yet to be seen whether him and Tactical work together. TSM, it's a sad day, man, when I put TSM at the bottom. Uh, it doesn't look like they've made huge moves in the offseason. They definitely didn't go out with the with the idea of putting together a roster that's going to contend for worlds. It's a new day, man. Solo did look really good at the end of last split when he was able to help TSM to a few wins. Maple still has an amazing history and had occasionally strong games, but really did not look that amazing. Um, Neo from Dignitas was okay, but that was those like, oh yeah, Neo, he could be like top half, right? Like he just hasn't looked like he's had those games where he's where he's a dominant LCS AD carry. It's just add that to the fact that there are so many people. This is the innate pressure playing on TSM. There are so many people that revel in the failure of TSM because TSM was so just upfront about the way they dominated North America for years. And it's coming back at them in a huge way. Uh, and it's not a good look. So I don't know how well this team will do. Uh, they made so many reactionary roster changes when they didn't succeed right away at any point in last year. And I look at their academy team, uh, Hauntzer, Svenskaren, Wild Turtle, Doxa, Chime, uh, Chime is filling in on their academy team. I actually need to check who their intended academy starter is because he's the LCS starter as well. Um, not a good day for TSM, but you know what? I'm not going to dwell on it. You never know. Hope springs eternal, right? So that'll do it for this LCS 2023 spring power ranking. That is the one through 10. Here it is again on the screen for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Uh, we start Thursday. 1.30 PST is when we start our waiting room. And I hope to see you then and many more times on the JLXP YouTube channel. I am, I am back. The break is over. League is starting. See you again soon.